All right, our first reading is Psalm 41. Please turn with me to Psalm 41. Verse 1, hear now the inerrant, infallible, and inspired word of God. To the chief musician, a psalm of David. Blessed is he that considereth the poor. The Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive, and he shall be blessed upon the earth, and thou wilt not deliver him unto the will of his enemies. The Lord will strengthen him upon the bed of languishing. Thou wilt make all his bed in sickness." I said, Lord, be merciful unto me. Heal my soul, for I have sinned against thee. Mine enemies speak evil of me. When shall he die and his name perish? And if he come to see me, he speaketh vanity. His heart gathereth iniquity to itself. When he goeth abroad, it telleth it. All that hate me whisper together against me. Against me do they devise my hurt. An evil disease, say they, cleaveth fast unto him. And now that he lieth, he shall rise up no more. Yea, mine own familiar friend, in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. But thou, O Lord, be merciful unto me, and raise me up, that I may requite them. By this I know, that thou favorest me, because mine enemy doth not triumph over me. And as for me, thou upholdest me in mine integrity, and settest me before thy face forever. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, from everlasting and to everlasting, Amen and Amen. May God add his blessing to the reading and hearing of his most holy word. All right, so we begin in uh, Psalm 41 with a blessing that is promised. Uh, To the chief musician, the Psalm of David, I think we understand that by now. We've had that one quite a few times, I think. Okay, so we we begin with with a promise of blessing, and what is that? Blessed is he that considereth the poor, the Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. The Lord will preserve him, keep him alive, he shall be blessed upon the earth, thou wilt not deliver him uh, unto the will of his enemies, and so on. So we have a promise, first of all, that to those who are compassionate, those who are um, considerate, of the poor. The word that is translated as uh, he that considereth the poor speaks of insight and knowledge, right? And we might apply this by saying it's not the poor alone, but any who are in affliction, any who are under some kind of general affliction or another. It's not just monetarily poor, right? But it's also those who are afflicted. And the promise is that the Lord will deliver such a one in time of trouble. Now, we want to make sure that we're, that we're understanding what David is saying here. It's not simply 
one who considers the poor, but one whose consideration of the poor is palpable or obvious or manifest in that he actually does him good. It's not just to say, oh, you know, be warm and be filled. I've considered him and I'm moving on now. No, it's not like that. It's, it's, the, it's the one that gives palpable help to those who are afflicted in one way or another. So the promises then that, that pertain to that are sevenfold. Deliverance, preservation, blessing, escape, strength, healing, and mercy. The Lord says he will do all of that for those who consider the poor. May I just simply translate from that or interpret from that that the Lord is very much interested that we develop a heart of compassion toward those who are put under any kind of affliction. And that we don't simply, may I say it this way, spend time with those and, you know, we're all okay and everybody's fine and, you know, we lose our understanding of compassion for one another. But then notice also what the, what the man does. Um, the Lord will strengthen him upon his bed of languishing. Thou will make all his bed in sickness. I said... Lord, be merciful unto me, heal my soul, for I have sinned against thee. There's a salutary effect that takes place upon those who uh, consider the case of the afflicted. They consider the poor. If all their time is spent with others that have no such needs as those, right? If everybody's happy all the time, everybody's joyous all the time, everybody's well cared for all of the time, well then, where is the humility But David says those who consider the poor will be also those kind that respond to the Lord by saying, Lord, be merciful unto me, heal my soul, for I have sinned against thee. In other words, that humility that we would minister to in consideration of the poor is a contagious humility that it will help us to remind ourselves of our spiritual maladies. So then uh, we go on from there to verse 5. And once again, we have a section that is messianic. Uh, We're not left to guess about that. Jesus himself uses these words in John chapter 13 and verse 18. He that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. So Christ himself quotes from this psalm uh, in the upper room discourse when he would speak of Judas. Okay? So uh, David also knew betrayal. He had those who betrayed him. Not just Saul, right? But remember the Ziphites. What did they say? What did the Ziphites say? Well, David asked, okay, so if I stay here, will the Ziphites give me up? Yes. Yes, they will. How about his own son, Absalom, who sought to kill him? David knew betrayal as well. So when he writes about betrayal here, the the betrayal of his own life, still there is a prophetic element to it that uh, pertains to the Lord Jesus Christ. And Christ picks up on that in John 13, 18. So what do the enemies do? They speak evil against me. They whisper against me. They devise my hurt. They make false accusation and they look for my demise. We might say that those five things are indicative of someone who is your enemy so then beloved may i say it this way don't be an enemy to anyone 
Don't seek those things against anyone. What were they again? They speak evil against me. They whisper against me. They devise hurt against me. They make accusation falsely. And they look for my demise. So let us never fall into these temptations. This is what Christ's enemies and David's did to him. Let us never do such one to another. Um, <clears throat> earlier we heard David, will, David said what? Um, the Lord will make all his bed in his sickness for those who consider the poor. Right? So notice then that when we devise evil against someone like that, we're working directly against the promises of God. We, we, and when you work against, directly like that, against the word and promises of God, the blessings of God's promised, that God has promised, you will indeed bear the curses of God instead. All right, so now we move on to verse 8. An evil disease, it says. An evil disease cleaveth fast to him. Some of you will have a footnote in your Bibles where uh, verse 8 takes place uh, an evil disease this Bible has it here and it is a literal translation a, a matter or a word of Belial a word of Belial and what is Belial Belial in scripture is is prophetic for an enemy um, one who is opposed to God and his people that's the, so it's a word of Belial. And so what are they saying about David? A word of Belial cleaves to him. He's not God's friend. He's his enemy. Which is exactly what they said about Christ, wasn't it? And so we have then, uh, Yea, mine own familiar friend, verse 9, In whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. And that's quoted in John thirteen eighteen. It can, however, be some of our closest friends who speak against us. And this shows us the folly of trusting in men. We have an advocate. We have a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. We have a friend. Jesus said, ye are my friends if you do whatsoever I have commanded you. I call you no longer servants, but friends. So the Lord is our closest friends. And if we place our souls keeping with him, we shall never be disappointed. So then the, the, the psalmist turns his request and care to the Lord who loves him and will indeed care for him. And he knows he is safe in the Lord's hand. Verse 10, but thou, O Lord, be merciful unto me and raise me up that I may requite them. So there's a division among godly commentators as to what David means here by requiting them. How does David requite them? Well, sometimes we can requite good for evil, can't we? In fact, we're told to do so by Christ. Right? Pray for those who despitefully use you. Bless those who curse you, and so on. At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, that you may be sons of your heavenly Father who causes his sunshine to, to shine forth on the evil and on the good, on his friends and on his enemies. Right? Um, and then other times requiting may... Uh, may agree with David's special station here. But if we think of David historically, even as king, when he was opposed by his enemies, David never laid his hand on them, did he? Twice he had an occasion to lay hand on Saul. As a matter of fact, in one of those occasions, there was a deep sleep from the Lord that fell upon Saul and his men. And did David take advantage of that wonderful providence? 
No, he said, I will not stretch forth my hand against the Lord's anointed. Either he will die in battle or in his bed, but he'll not die at my hand. Isn't that what David said? And is that not what David asked Joab and the rest of the army to do with regard to Absalom? Spare the young man Absalom for my sake, David said. When Shimei cursed him and Abishai said, you know, only take me a second to put an air gap between that mouth and that throat. Right? What did David say? The Lord hath sent him to curse. So, what do we mean here when David says that I may requite them? It may mean that he will requite them with good for evil. And that would be in better keeping with the psalm as it thus has been set forth up to this point. Now, it may also mean that David as a civil magistrate will make sure that they're rightly punished. That's also possible. So the division between commentators is truly impossible to solve. But I think at least as a good use of the passage, that we entertain the option of requiting good for evil. We're commanded to do that in the scripture. By this I know that thou favorest me, because mine enemy doth not triumph over me. Notice he did not say, because I'm able to take my enemy's head off. It's not offensive with him, is it? My enemy does not triumph over me. Even though I have refused to raise my own hand against him, um, I know you favor me because my enemy doesn't triumph over me. And then as for me, thou upholdest me in mine integrity and settest me before thy face forever. I think this lends itself to that former interpretation that David would requite good for evil. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting and to everlasting. Amen and amen. This copy of the, new, uh, of, of the King James Version that I have here in the pulpit does not put a, a division between the books of the Psalter. But that division is there. You can see it in the doxology of verse 13. So Psalm 42 then begins book two of the Psalter. And when we get to the end of that book, we will also see another doxology which runs uh, 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 in common with the editor of of the Psalter, whom we believe was Ezra of the great synagogue uh, after the return of the exiles in the days of, say, Zerubbabel, Daniel, uh, and so on. So um, we believe that Ezra was the one who finally gathered up the Old Testament and then there was only one book to be added after that and that was Malachi. But with the Jews, we believe that after Malachi, uh, the Lord ceased speaking prophetically to the Jews until John Baptist came along and said, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Okay, so Ezra, when he collected this altar, collected these psalms, and uh, Dr. Robertson has recently done some good work uh, in a book called The Flow of the Psalms, and he will uh, ascertain some some themes that run through, through this altar endemic to each of the five books. All right? With that then, let's...